This is The Jerry Callahan Show. battle on our hands. We have a new fight uh, politically. And I want to thank um, one of my senators, my junior senator, Ed Markey, a great public servant, a real leader, leader of men, leader of women, just a hero out there fighting, fighting for justice. We know already that he's been fighting for climate justice and racial justice and economic justice and food justice. Well, Ed Markey could possibly, possibly the dumbest person in the U.S. Senate introduced a new fight yesterday when he tweeted about the Elon Musk situation. And boy, let me just say, we got a lot to get to on the uh, Elon Musk and the Twitter front, which is the battle, the 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 civil rights battle of of I don't know of the, this current. Uh, election cycle. That's all I'll say. I won't say the biggest uh, story ever, but it's a battle over free speech. Uh, It's a battle of the the haves versus the have nots. Uh, There's all kinds of uh, angles to it, which make it just fascinating. And uh, we'll give you the latest on it. But I do want to read from my uh, junior senator's tweet because one thing Musk has done, and I, I appreciate this more than anything else, is he's exposed these absolute frauds, these alleged liberals, these alleged champions of civil rights and civil liberties who are frightened, who are shaking right now in fear that their uh, opponents, their adversaries may be allowed to speak freely. They hate that, as we've learned. They, have, they, they can't even hide it. As we uh, explained yesterday, we could we could give you the latest from Liz Warren, too, because Ed Markey's got nothing on Liz Warren when it comes to just insane takes. And Liz Warren thought it was dangerous to our democracy that a billionaire was going to buy a social media platform. Liz Warren, whose biggest fans are the Boston Globe, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all owned by oligarchs, all basically playthings for the billionaire class, but this latest billionaire makes her nervous because he might let, you know, Donald Trump and, and Charlie Kirk, uh, have a voice. Um, but I got to do Musk. I mean, Musk, Marky <clears throat> on Musk. Cause he's just so unbelievable. He's just such an embarrassment. It really is amazing that, that there are people here in my, in my neighborhood, in your neighborhood who are, who vote for this man. It just boggles my mind how anybody, anybody could look at Ed Markey and say, yeah, that's who I want to represent me in the U S Senate. That's who I want to be one of 100 people in the most exclusive club in the world, the U S Senate, Ed Markey, who you wouldn't, I don't think could run. I know he had an ice cream truck once upon a time, but if he had to, you know, manage a 7-Eleven, I think he'd be in over his head. If he had to, <laughs> if he, you know, if he had a paper route, do they sell paper routes? I don't think so. I mean, there's Some, no one buys newspapers anymore, but. Out of creepy vans, I, I, I think they do still. I can't imagine Ed Markey, you know, just handling, you know, paying his bills, just functioning daily, day to day. But yes, he, he's in the U.S. Senate and he's rich and he's powerful And yesterday he chimes in on the Musk situation and he writes, Elon Musk and a handful of billionaires now have dangerous influence over the most powerful online platforms. They can't be trusted 
and the self-regulation has failed. We must pass laws to protect privacy and promote algorithmic justice. (laughs) Algorithmic justice. Now, uh, granted, all the every day, uh, like Ayanna Presley, another embarrassment to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. She tweets about you name it: racial justice, economic justice, uh, environmental justice. Uh, she comes up with new terms every day. I had never heard this algorithmic justice. I do believe Ed Markey invented this, and I am left with so many questions. I don't understand algorithms, and I don't want to brag, but I think I'm. Probably a thousand times smarter than Ed Markey. Even you, I would say, Ironhead is, you know, slightly more intelligent than Ed Markey. He wouldn't understand what an algorithm is if you gave him a like a a, a ten week course. Uh, He doesn't know what that means. But we need algorithmic justice, and we need to pass laws. Now, that alone, just saying, we need to pass laws. This is a guy who, if he had his way. No conservative would ever be allowed to speak on any social media platform. He he was a okay taking people off Twitter, kicking them off, uh, suspending them, banning them. He's fine with that on every social media platform. He loves the idea of completely silencing. He hates free speech. He hates the First Amendment. Let's be honest; they all do. They loved the fact that the New York Post was suppressed, that you couldn't read the Hunter Biden story uh, a month before the election. They loved the fact that big tech helped their side rig the presidential election. A new guy comes in, buys Twitter, promises free speech, and now he's demanding new laws. I can't wait to see what those laws are. They're going to be absolutely uh, uh, un-American and designed to, again, tilt the scales, let one side speak and and silence the other side. But he actually typed the words algorithmic justice. (laughs) As I explained to you yesterday and and, uh, last week and previously when the Musk story came up, the great thing, one of the many great things, is that this is a man who understands, who already is learning, Already, he already knows, by the way, what the algorithm was. And he's promising to make it public. And when he does, and so far, he seems to be a man of his word. So far, I think we can believe he will say what he said. He will do what he says he's going to do. Can you imagine that day when the story breaks? And again, it will. this will be ignored by the mainstream media. But if the story breaks... And it shows exactly the, the, the like the words, the buzzwords. If you use certain words, if you described yourself, you know, as a conservative, as a Republican, as if you said, you know, you you hate Ed Markey or Liz Warren or Greta Thunberg, you were flagged, you were shadow banned, you were you were suspended. If it's in clear English, it's going to be the biggest outrage because. It affected things. I mean, it it, uh, it it's it affected the 2020 election. It, it uh, and we played that idiot from MSNBC yesterday. What's the name? Ari Melber or something? Yes. It, it went. It went. That thing went global. The, his whole thing of now that uh, uh, Musk owns a social media platform, he has the ability to affect an election. And it was the ultimate in in lack of self-awareness. I mean, 
it happened already. Ari, Ali, whatever his name is. We all know that. They put their thumb on the scale. They affected the election. Polls after the election showed that people may have voted differently if they'd known that Joe Biden had been compromised, that Joe Biden was taking money from the Chinese Communist Party, as well as uh, from uh, the mayor of Moscow's wife and Ukraine, that he's getting rich. And there's more info on this every day. This this is a story today or yesterday about how there's an unexplained five million dollar profit that the Biden family made unexplained. So they made five million bucks and no one knows where it came from. I'm pretty sure if you read the laptop from hell, you'll you'll know that they have lots of million dollar payments and they were not on the level. He is completely compromised. He is completely uh, 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 in the tank for, for the communist Chinese and, and, and so many other foreign entities, but that's a story for another day. And hopefully we'll learn more and more about just how corrupt this regime is. But the, the idea that now we might have a guy who affects the election, who affects, you know, the way people think about whoever Joe Biden or, 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 or Liz Warren. And they don't like that. They're really nervous. They find this dangerous. I said this, whatever, yesterday, last week, that is the beauty of it all. They know that people will be allowed to speak, that the New York Post stories will be disseminated as they should have been. And they're nervous. They're saying, uh-oh, what if people know the truth? So they, they need algorithmic justice, meaning we need to continue to find a way to suppress our enemies. Uh, why else would you demand that? Do you think Ed Markey wants everyone to have a voice? No, he wants an algorithm. He doesn't really know what that means, but he wants an algorithm that will continue to flag his opponents and people who are out there telling the truth about him and his side. And he wants to stop it. He wants to make laws. That's literally what he said. We need to make laws, which of course they're not going to be laws that, 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 that advance free speech or open things up. They're going to be laws that suppress speech, that suppress his opponents. That is I mean, it's not scary because it's Ed Markey and no one takes him seriously, but he can't be the only one. God knows Liz Warren's with him. God knows, you know, the, the whole mainstream media is with him. They want, they are afraid that, uh, that Musk will uh, shine the light on this. They're going to show exactly what their allies in Silicon Valley did to help them in 2020, to help them hell before that in 2018, when they took the house, uh, they're going to find they're going to it's going to show if Musk is a man of his word and opens this up for all the world to see. We are going to be stunned at the level of duplicity of the level of deception from the most important social media platform out there. And here's what they're really afraid of. They won't be able to do it again. They know their guy, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they know how weak they are. They know what a disaster they've been. And they know the only shot they have. Hell, it might be the only shot they have in November is to tip the scales again to keep the public from finding out just how compromised Biden is or, you know, to keep them from finding out the truth about whatever, inflation, the border, 
They can't have an open and free press. If you're Ed Markey, if you're Liz Warren, if you're you know, whoever, Joy Reid, if you're if you're Ali Merber, whatever, Mayberg, whatever, you can't have that. So their goal right now is to stop the free dissemination of information. It's incredible. That is why this is so it's so delicious at this point is because one side is fighting their ass off to keep the public, the people from seeing the truth, from knowing the truth and idiots like Markey are leading the charge. I'll be curious. I mean, he's going to have to come up with some concrete proposals. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him talk about algorithmic justice, you know, and see, hear someone ask a question, excuse me, Senator Markey, could you uh, help us out here? Explain a little further what that means. Somebody tweeted at me and said, can you imagine if Joe Biden takes the, uh, takes the baton here and starts fighting for algorithmic, imagine Joe Biden just saying the word, getting the word out, reading it off a teleprompter. Yes, we need algorithmic justice. And then somebody says, I'm Mr. President, uh, yeah, explain a little further. What do you mean? He, he the, <laughs> and I'm not saying Donald Trump could either. That's again why it is the, the great thing here is that Musk is so smart. He, he, he understands the material. There are very few people who had the potential to buy Twitter, to open things up and understand just how they rigged the game, to understand what, how the algorithm worked. Musk knows that, and Musk is pretending uh, is is promising to tell us that, which gives us all something to look forward to. In the meantime, <laughs> if we can just continue to enjoy the self-immolation of these frauds, of these tyrants, these tech tyrants from Silicon Valley, we have uh, a couple of updates. That um, let me see. Are they all? They're all wonderful. They're all just wonderful. Everything happening now so far is wonderful. I'll let you know. I'll let you know if things look bleak again, or if there's some bad news, or some unfortunate turns of events. But so far, nothing but good news. Yesterday's yes, uh, yesterday's highlight. We're gonna get to this because, I mean, people are working this angle. Uh, exactly what's happening in the building. And I know there's been a lot of funny memes of people screaming and melting down and jumping out the windows at the Twitter headquarters, but they hold a meeting. Uh, yeah, I think it was Monday afternoon, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. They held an all-hands-on-deck meeting with, uh, what's, his for, what's the CEO's name again? That's your job. Parag Argawal. Parag, that's your job. I keep, I don't know why I keep forgetting that. Parag Argawal is a CEO, at least for the time being, and he holds a meeting all hands on deck. Uh, I assume it was like a big therapy session. I assume they had therapy puppies for them to hold, and they had a crying room, and they had counselors, you know, available if they needed it because these frauds are all struggling with the fact that their new boss is promising to let people speak. <clears throat> These are people who uh, really uh, enjoyed their control. They enjoyed uh, suppressing their enemies or anybody they just didn't like. You know, they didn't like somebody. They took them out, took them down, said, no, nah, we don't like that uh, Dr. Robert Malone, you know, that crazy man who invented the MNR, or the, the vaccine. 
a completely level-headed, brilliant doctor, didn't like what he said, booted him off. That's how they handled things. They didn't like somebody. They didn't debate them. They didn't refute them. They just banned them. Well, these bullies, these tyrants are uh, on their heels now. So they had this meeting, and uh, the highlight is uh, Pramag talking. Uh, we'll start with him. But then we get to lawyer, Twitter's top lawyer. Already this thing is opening up, and we're learning uh, things they didn't want us to know. Her name is Viaya, V-I-J-A-Y, Viaya Gaddy, G-A-D-D-E. She's Twitter's top lawyer. She's the one who banned Trump, who banned, you, you name it, who banned Charlie Kirk and Babylon B and Tucker Carlson and and uh, Alex Jones and banned Alex Berenson and Robert Malone. She's the one who made the call. She's the one who suppressed the Hunter, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story in the New York Post. She's the, the hard left tyrant who made these decisions. She's the lawyer, and she, um, uh, just a side note, she makes $16 million a year. She made only $9 million a year in 2020, and then she got a raise. So because of all her hard work censoring people, suppressing people, she makes $16 million a year. They have this meeting, and we can play some of it, leaked audio to uh, uh, to podcaster Elijah Schaefer, who posted it last night. She wept. She wept. The idea of having a new boss, a billionaire, the richest man in the world, who's promising to make Twitter better, who's promising to uh, let everybody speak, who's promising, by the way, to increase the value of the company and her stock, She's so heartbroken that she that he's stepping in and she could no longer control the, 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 the discourse. Has her so upset, she cried at the meeting. If you weren't enjoying this already, we will play this. Just know how heartbroken, how crestfallen these a-holes are. If Musk does nothing else after this, if, if he closes the company and, yeah. and sells it for parts... Just the fact that he made the IA Gadi cry makes it all worthwhile. But uh, let's let's listen to some of this uh, meeting. This meeting, uh, the audio was leaked, I believe, yesterday. This is a meeting from Monday afternoon. Her title, I believe, is uh, chief, whatever, lawyer, legal, whatever. But a few other people talk. There's a woman who talks and presents the questions to Pramag. Prayag. What is it again? Parag. Parag. She presents some of the questions to Parag, and they're all the same. They're all, what is, what's going to happen to us now that we're allowing people to speak? Is Donald Trump next? Oh, their panic, their, their grief is just delicious, but go ahead. How do the board and Mr. Musk plan on dealing with a mass exodus, considering the acquisition is by a person with questionable ethics? The question of attrition, um, you know, as Parag stated, you know, uh, one of the themes of today is continuity um, and ensuring that Parag and this leadership team continues to operate the business successfully on behalf of our users, on behalf of our customers. Um, and that has obviously been a big topic of discussion at the board. And as I mentioned, an area that uh, is important to Elon Musk as well, the because the importance of Twitter as a service. With no board in place, who will keep Elon accountable and how? 
Elon made it clear in public that a large part of the reason he bought the platform was because of our moderation policies and disagreements in how we deal with health. This puts Twitter service and trust and safety, as well as anybody who cares about health on the platform, in a very difficult position. Hold on. Pause, pause it right there. This, and we'll get to Parag next. Here. This is the chief moderation officer. She says she uses the term health and the, the, the puts in people in a tough position who care about health. So this is the, uh, I don't know, the, the euphemism they're using. If you care about uh, health, that means you get to ban, you know, Robert Malone, I guess. I'm not sure how that applies to, you know, to Charlie Kirk or the people who called uh, uh, Leah Thomas a, a man, but they call that health. So the reason they ban people suppress is for your health. We're doing it for your health. And if you missed the first line, that was from her again, the chief moderator. She wonders how Musk is going to handle the mass exodus because of people leaving because of his questionable ethics. Keep in mind, the people in this meeting are the ones banning the New York Post's legit news story in effort to help one candidate over another and succeeded by the way. Mm. And people who kicked again, people like Robert Malone and Peter McCullough off Twitter because they didn't help them sell Pfizer vaccines because they didn't bow down before Lord Fauci. They kicked them off for our health. These people are insane. They're tyrants. They're, they're just, they're, they're, they're fascists. When you think about it, we know better. We'll tell you what to do. If you question us, it's because you don't care about health. I want to know, you know what the follow-up, I wish Musk were in on this and responding. Yeah. A mass exodus. So these people are making millions. They probably don't work very hard. We know they don't go in the office. They sit wherever in their vacation homes in Hawaii with their laptops. So you think the, the lawyer who's making $16 million a year is going to be part of the mass exodus? You think Parag, who I believe walks away with $50 million uh, with uh, stock options, you think he's ready to bail on this on this you know, gravy train? You know, I, I can't wait because I have a feeling Musk is going to say, there's the door. You know, you want to leave, go ahead. I'm Elon Musk. I will find good people. I'll pay them. It's a very exciting time. We don't need you. But these people are so self-important. They think threatening to uh, leave in, in droves. They think that's going to put panic into Elon Musk. What a bunch of a-holes. But all right, let's get to uh, Parag Agrawal, Twitter CEO, who uh, speaks next. Go ahead. The role of our policies and the capabilities we've built around content moderation are fundamental to keeping Twitter safe and growing. I believe that there is a lot of work we have to do to continue making that better. Sometimes that means more thoughtful moderation. Sometimes that means making things simpler. Sometimes that means changing product incentives to be able to solve problems through products sometimes instead of policies. During the last all hands, you said that you trust Elon Musk. The correct quote was, we trust him. So who is we and talking to Elon, what made you trust him? And based on the conversation I had with him uh, when we were excited to have him join our board, that was because as a major shareholder and an opinionated user, we wanted that voice in our boardroom so that we could learn 
Is there an updated understanding on what free speech means? The question behind the question here, which is where might Twitter's product go as a private company in the future once this deal closes? To best gain perspective on this, as I said earlier, we'll find ways to bring Elon for a Q&A with all of you to understand better what, that what his vision for the future of Twitter might look like. Oh, good, good. Let's uh, let's do that. Let's have a Q&A. Let's have a crying session with uh, Elon Musk in the room. And these people all, you know, remote somewhere in their uh, underwear on their laptops. But this already, you know, I don't care. I don't care how many uh, followers I gain. I don't care who gets to come back. I don't care. I don't even care if Donald Trump gets to come. I really don't. I mean, I think it's been worth it. It's been glorious. I mentioned somebody who said this, uh, and, and I found out who, Geraldo, Geraldo, who's been on TV for 50 years, and I didn't, and I never realized how stupid he was. It took, it, until he appeared, got the gig on the five, and was actually forced to talk and uh, defend his, his arguments, I never realized how dumb he was, but he said, the investment is worthless unless Trump comes back to Twitter. He says, it's, a, it's not going to be worth his while Musk it's not, it's not going to matter if Trump doesn't come back. And I'm, I'm going, what, why, why Trump's real. I realize he's a big name. I realize it will make a big splash, but the idea that you need Trump's, you know, insane rantings on there to make your $44 billion investment worthwhile. is just silly. It's just typical, stupid Geraldo thing, but all right, a couple more things on the, uh, on the wondrous, wonderful uh, takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk. Uh, a couple things just make me laugh out loud, I have to say. Uh, since he made the purchase, uh, the announcement uh, early in the week, we've seen a lot of these on Twitter from people, who, you know, butthurt liberals who think he could have spent the money to solve world hunger, <laughs> which just makes me laugh out loud. Did they say... That Jeff Bezos could have solved world hunger or in, instead of buying the Washington Post, they say Steve Jobs' widow should have solved world hunger when she bought the Atlantic or John Henry when he bought the building that the Boston Globe owned. Did they say, boy, he could have spent that $70 million to solve world hunger or climate change? No, they only say that when Musk uh, makes the purchase. But someone pointed this out today. He spent... He paid $11 billion in taxes, the highest, the, the largest taxpayer in the United States ever, mm-hmm. which, which uh, Liz Warren and her ilk and the squad, they keep lying about, but he's a, he pays a fortune in taxes. That's the same amount of money the U.S. pays to the U.N., whose job it is to solve world hunger, and they aren't doing a very good job. So we give them billions, and they do not... You really think if Elon Musk said, here's $44 billion, I think I'll solve world hunger, that it would actually work? I mean, it's just so stupid. You really have to be a you know, brainless to, to think, if only he took that $44 billion, he could have made the world a better place. You know what? I think he can do more good buying Twitter than he would have done giving it to some NGO or giving it to the UN to solve world hunger. They they tried they tried doing this to him a few months ago and he goes, I will give you the nine billion right. you ask for. Just tell me where it's going. That's right. He said, if you can prove that we'll solve world hunger, I'll give you the money. And of course nobody could do that. It's no. just typical. It's just 
makes them feel better. It's like wearing a mask. It doesn't do anything. It just makes them feel better. But here's my favorite uh, tweet on this uh, topic. Rachel Ramirez. I've never heard of her. She's from CNN. Her, her beat, writing and reporting on climate change. Talk about a worthless profession. She's working <laughs> for CNN, writing about climate change. She has 8,000 followers. And Rachel Ramirez, an alleged reporter, an alleged media member, tweets, what could $44 billion have done for the climate crisis? This is an alleged reporter who thinks that Elon Musk, instead of buying this social media platform and making it a free speech platform, could have taken his money and solved or done more for the climate crisis. First of all, there is no climate crisis. Everybody knows that. The whole thing is a ruse. Secondly, what would he have done? What would he have done, Rachel, with his $44 billion? Again, we're, we're just one small country in, the, in this great big world. If the whole world doesn't buy into your crazy climate solutions, then it doesn't matter. He, he started Tesla. This guy started the biggest, coolest electric car company, and these nuts, they're not happy. That's not enough. No. He must do more to solve the climate. I mean, honestly, I would love, and she gets totally ratioed on this. Uh, I mean, I, I, I responded to her and just said, what could he do? What would it happen? Nothing, nothing. If he gave his $44 billion to the whatever, some charity that said they're going to solve the climate crisis, Nothing would change. Nothing. He might as well light it on fire. It would do nothing. We all know that. It's just, I mean, it, it, you know what? Maybe he could have given it to John Kerry or Al Gore so they could buy a new mansion or a new private jet. That's basically uh, where the money goes. But a reporter from CNN thinks instead of buying, if he could solve the climate crisis. We are dealing with the biggest bunch of idiots. This is amazing. And again, did she say this, you know, when when Laureen Powell Jobs spent $20 billion on the, uh, or whatever she spent, I don't even know what she spent, bought the Atlantic, she's worth $20 billion. You know, when the Slim, uh, Carlos Slim bought the New York Times, did she say, gee, she could have solved the climate crisis? I'm, I'm telling you, it is scary how stupid some of the people in the mainstream media, oh, which brings me, brings me to uh, Brian Steltler. We got to get to Steltler. I know this is... A day old, but it's hilarious. The the analysis, the 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 lengths to which they will go to make this seem like it's not a good thing, like Elon Musk allowing people to speak is dangerous and scary, and uh, you know, worse things are going to be worse than they were before. I can't, I I couldn't even get my mind around Brian Stutler's uh, analogy, but coming from him, this this round potato head this, this and and perhaps the most the most incredible factoid to come out of this is the fact that brian stell is 36 years old Crazy. truly amazing it blew my mind truly amazing he i can't he everyone calls him the tater a potato but i think of him as a sausage because he he's like squeezes in his suits like a sausage in the casing <laughs> and he looks like if you know you poked him there'd be like it he would burst but his analogy on what could go, what, what the problem is here, that it's a party without rules. 
And I keep in mind, there's a guy who never has been invited to a party and would probably, you know, drive by the houses when he was in high school where the parties were or look in the windows and say, gee, I wonder if I'll ever get invited to a party. He thinks parties, you know, without rules, they're really bad and people won't want to go. But let's listen to the potato, give you his analysis of the new Musk owned Twitter. Look, who knows? I, I think that's a, a that's a that's a, an example of a broader question for Twitter, which is, if you uh, if you get invited to something where there are no rules, where there is total freedom uh, for, for everybody, do you actually want to go to that party, or are you going to decide to stay home? And that's a question for Twitter users. Some Twitter users might love the idea that there's going to be absolutely no moderation and no rules at all. Others might not want to be anywhere near that. Am I am I crazy, Matt? No, no, you're right. And what what happens to the advertising? I mean, if there's no moderation or little moderation, do the right. advertisers stay away? What does that do to the, yeah. the business prospects for Twitter itself? All I right. think that's very much an. Brian Stelter. Uh, imagine thinking that that's a bad thing—a party without rules. <laughs> <laughs> and would anyone want to go there? Uh, so he thinks people, if they say. They don't have enough moderation, which it means enough, you know, editing, suppression of speech that they won't want to go there <laughs> and they won't want to advertise if they don't have someone like the Yaya Gadi, the top lawyer who makes $16 million a year kicking people off that she doesn't like, that people won't want to go there. It's just bizarre. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. It's glorious. Yeah. There's too like, many too people more... at this party above the legal limit yeah. of booze. <laughs> They're having too much fun. There's no rules. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't want to go there. Oh, who, who brought the edibles, boys? <laughs> <laughs> Look in the window there. Oh, my God. They don't have rules. To... Uh, you remember like a party, if, they had, if you had a party with a rule like you, you had to use the cup they gave you for the, you know, the keg, or you had to, uh, you know, one drink ticket, you know, you'd be like, ah, this sucks. Parties, <laughs> yeah, parties, parties without rules are the ones people want to go to the ones that Brian Stella never got invited to. And, but, and, and, but the idea that the general public would find that, you know, to be repellent, you don't want to go to a party without what the hell these people are losing their freaking minds quickly before we move on. Um, two other things. One, they somebody broke down the donations to political candidates. And if you thought, you know, it's just a typical left-leaning Silicon Valley company. No, Twitter is off the charts. 98.7% of the political donations made by Twitter employees went to Democrats. That's amazing because some Republicans, you know, were never Trumpers. You know, they're, they, 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 they hate Trump. Some of the, you know, Evan McMullen types. This, and people would give to them or Lincoln Project types who hate Trump. 99% of the donations, that's a problem. And, and uh, speaking of never Trump, people, people who hate Trump, this is from this morning uh, uh, or, or yesterday. Uh, uh, they had, uh, Huffington Post has a story on, you know, uh, rhinos, moderate Republicans on what they think about Trump going back on Twitter. And they talk to Susan Collins and she says, yeah, let him back on. I don't agree with all his tweets, but he should be back on there. And John Cornyn, they ask Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is asked by Huffington Post, should Trump be allowed back on Twitter? Quote, I'm not getting into that battle. Sorry. This, there's no battle here. You freaking snake. 
I hate, in case you haven't noticed, I can't stand Mitt Romney. He's such a friggin' traitor and a turncoat. I can't believe I really, really supported him once upon a time. But you don't have to like him, Mitt. We all know that everything you do is designed to get revenge on Trump. And I mean, you voted to the only person ever to vote to impeach a president in his own party. And you voted to impeach him for nothing. We get that. But saying a guy, a former president, should have a right to speak, that's not hard. You could do it. You can do it. You could say, yes, I hate the man or I disagree with the man, but let him back on Twitter. He doesn't have an opinion. He is such a disgrace. Honest to God, I do hope he runs for president so I can watch him go down in flames one more time. All right, we got a, we got a bunch of stuff. To, we got to get to this video, which I know is... A couple of years old, but somehow it flew under the radar, and it's incredible. It it comes on the heels of the whole Disney controversy. Is Disney grooming kids? Do they indoctrinate kids into this, you know, sexual crazed culture at a young age? There was a segment on Good Morning America with Michael Strahan and a live audience that is mind-boggling. And it was a couple of years ago, but we're going to play it, show it to you. You will not believe it. It is disturbing. I think we should all blame Michael Strahan and shame Michael Strahan and hold this against him, but we will play it for you. And by the way, Kamala, Kamala Harris tested positive for COVID and she, like everybody else, everybody else who's tested positive for COVID says, thank God I was vaccinated. (laughs) Why do they say that? Why is that their first? I'm just grateful I'm vaccinated and boosted. Why? You got COVID. Do you really think, I mean, she's not that old. She doesn't appear to be unhealthy or obese. What does she think would have happened if she weren't vaccinated? Well, she cackles a lot, so she probably spreads it to everyone in uh, Washington, well, D.C. They, they literally said she was not in close contact with Biden, which is funny because he wants to stay far away from her as possible. And I guess that's a good thing. But why does every politician, particularly every Democrat, say, I'm just grateful I'm boosted and vaccinated. That, what, what, why is that your first response? As everybody on the, a lot of comedians have said, that's like your wife gets pregnant. And you say, well, thank God we wore a condom. <laughs> it, it, it didn't work. It didn't work. I understand if you think it lessens the symptoms, but the point of the vaccine was when you got it was to keep you from getting COVID. So you got it. I understand it's not that dangerous or deadly at this point. It's not a big deal. Just say, I feel fine. I'm going to get better. What is saying, thank God I get the vaccine? What is that? How does that make any sense? But we will, uh, we will leave it there with, with Kamala. Get well soon, Kamala. We, want, we don't want you going anywhere. We need you for comic relief. But let's get to our wonderful sponsors today. we got a new one, Yawboard. This is for you, I think, uh, Ironhead. This is what you need, a Yawboard. And uh, we'll tell you what else we got coming and that amazing video from Good Morning America. All right, today's show is brought to you by Yaboard, the most fun electric scooter on the market. With gas prices skyrocketing, you know, we've been telling you about this. The Biden administration has been trying to bully Americans and paying 50, 60, 70 grand for a new electric car. But we got a much more practical solution. Get a scooter. Instead, whether you're in the city and you don't want to worry about parking or you're on an RV trip, and want a convenient way to get into town, or you just want to cruise around for fun, an electric scooter is the perfect vehicle. 
The Yard Board's unique design approaches transportation with one goal, make it as fun as possible. Unlike most electric scooters that you've seen, the Yard Board has four wheels, which creates a riding style very similar to that of a snowboard. But compared with a snowboard, the handle lets you carve even harder. That's important. And you learn to ride much quicker. It has three different speed modes, so you can start slow and work your way up until you get comfortable. It's also tremendous in off-road conditions and can handle just about any terrain you throw at it. Weighing in at just under 30 pounds, the Yarboard is one of the lightest scooters in the world while still going 22 miles an hour and having a range of 20 miles. It also folds flat so it can be easily transported in the trunk of a car or stored in the garage or the closet. Check it out now at yarboard.com. That's Y-A-W-B-O-A-R-D, yarboard.com, or just Google Yarboard. All right, don't forget Callahan Coffee getting rave reviews. That's why uh, Ironhead's got that big smile on his face. If you're watching with us on Locals, he's so proud of himself. He picked a terrific uh, brand of coffee. He picked the right one. It's good. It's dark roast. It's rich. It's got hints of what is it? Chocolate and caramel, which I don't even know. I didn't even know that. I just think it's good, dark, rich, flavorful coffee made from the highest quality beans. It's fresh. It's good, delivered right to your door. Get a pound of this. You will not regret it. You'll, you'll be ordering up more in no time, just like we have uh, the feedback. Everybody likes it. I think you're going to like it. Go to CallahanCoffee.com and order up some terrific Callahan coffee. All right, let's get to this segment. And again, it's from 2018. I don't care. I tweeted about this because I saw it. Matt Walsh uh, played it on his show. And I said, I, I was stunned. I was stunned. I was stunned that this happened three years ago and no one noticed and no one made a big deal out of it. And it only came back because Disney is clearly fighting hard for the right to groom children. They fought hard for the rights of uh, teachers in Florida to talk to six-year-olds about gender, uh, gen- transgenderism and sexual orientation and all everything else that's totally inappropriate for kids, but they can't, they just can't help themselves. And someone brought this back and I watched it and I said, how come I didn't see this? How come no one talked about this? This went under the radar and it shouldn't have. It is just disturbing. But this is an actual segment. We have the whole segment. You you cut it down a little, Greg? Yeah, I, I skipped to, uh, I skipped the intro. I, I, I tweeted it out. You can find it if you want to see the whole segment. And I will try to describe it for our people listening on audio only. It's a live audience. It's uh, the set of Good Morning America. There's Michael Strahan with his, who's the co-host? I don't even know. I don't know either. A blonde woman. Um, And they introduce Desmond the Amazing. Desmond the Amazing is Desmond the Amazing is an 11-year-old boy. An 11-year-old boy who's dressed in drag. He's got long hair. He's got a dress on. He's... Uh, makeup, full makeup, and he does a stripper dance, like actual gyrating on the floor. And the audience, full of perverted old people, and they show it too, man. You can see the audience, they're smiling and cheering and laughing and just having a great time. It is incredibly disturbing. And nobody seems to think, and then, then, by the way, Desmond sits down with Michael Strahan, and they high five him and they say, you're wonderful. And, and he talks about, you know, how great it is that he gets support from adult strippers who help him and support him 
in, you know, his, his passion stripping from, for, you know, 65 year old men in a live audience, but let's play some of it. Cause if you're watching along, you will not believe it. How you doing? Thanks for being here. Yeah. You love root beer, caffeine free. I can get on board with that. My mom doesn't like me drinking caffeine. Does it make you hyper? Yeah, me too. They don't like when I drink caffeine either. But Jasmine, you're one of the youngest and first drag queen slash kids. And I've heard, I've heard that you've gotten messages from young adults who look up to you for being who you are. What are some of the notes you've gotten? Some of the notes I've gotten are like that you inspire me very much and I wish I could have had the support that you have um, when I was a child. And your parents, we saw your parents in the piece that we did, and your parents are so supportive of you, but they, they've also, they've encouraged you to stay and be who you are. So how has that inspired you to be open about dressing in drag? They support me by letting me do what I want to do and um, letting me um, dress up and letting me play with um, makeup and trains. And um, yeah, I really like trains. When I'm out of drag, most of the time I'm playing with trains. <laughs> Not everyone's accepting of things, and some people have criticized you. What do you say to them? Um, it's fine. Um. <laughs> well, we're all excited to have Desmond here, so thank you, Desmond. But we also have some people that wanted to come see you personally. So please welcome Head of Lettuce. They bring out they bring out drag queen adult males who are drag to give Desmond gifts, give Desmond makeup. I didn't even notice the first time I saw this. Those are Desmond's parents. Yeah, and they show them, and the father looks you know a little creepy. As you be, wouldn't be surprised. And they're sitting there smiling and cheering. I, I hate to say it, but I think someone should come in there and uh, throw a net over these two. They, they, they want their 11-year-old son not only dressing up in drag with the makeup and the nails and a, and a dress. We, we uh, skipped the part. We skipped ahead to the interview because of, you know most people are just listening to the audio. But if you want to go back and look at it, he does a whole stripping routine, like gyrating on the floor with his hips and everything, dancing in the and with a, like a whatever that is feather boa, and the whole audience is going crazy, and they show the audience, and most of them are like, you know, sixty-five-year-old men and women cheering for this abused eleven-year-old boy, and that was on Good Morning America. That wasn't some late night. That, and and listen to the kid. That kid has got. Issues that kid. No kidding. I mean, I don't want. I don't, I don't know. That, that kid is abused. They put them out there, and they think it's. And then Michael Strahan and his co-host sit there and say, "Hey, you're one. You're an inspiration to people. Inspiration. That that is just the most disturbing thing I think I've ever seen. And it was a Good Morning America, and nobody 
as far as I can recall from three years ago, nobody said a word. Michael Strahan should be asked about that. He should be embarrassed. He should apologize for taking part in that, that, that charade. The kid had a hard time talking about root beer, but you know, let's tackle sexuality instead. Wait, wait, what, what root beer? These people are in bad. Uh, what, what, you like root beer? And can't hear me. Uh, you know, there's this there's video out there of him doing, pretending to do drugs. Uh, I mean, the kid should be saved. Somebody should save this poor child. Uh, gets dressed in a dress and a wig with makeup and then pretends he's 11. He's 11. Now he's, you know, 13 but or 14 and still doing that. But they bring out real, you know, men, grown men in drag to to shower gifts on the child. And this was on ABC owned by Disney. Disney, the biggest proponent, advocate for child grooming right now, at least in Florida. And uh, they're paying a price for it. But yeah, they, uh, somehow, somehow people decided this was okay. Was anybody at ABC, anybody at Disney stepping up, watching this, saying this is madness? Yeah, no one, madness? no one read the look on the dad's face who was basically like, yeah, would I rather be outside having a catch with my boy? Sure, but this is fine. I'm fine. The, the, the dad <laughs> looks like he might be abused too, like <laughs> yeah. the wife. The mom's calling the shots. He's just going along with it. But how can? How, what about all the other guys who are cheering away? Jesus, that's know. scary. I don't. I don't know when or if we'll get an update on how Desmond the Amazing is doing, but uh, I'm sure Michael Strahan has kept in touch to make sure, uh, you know, Desmond is uh, is doing okay. But uh, that is as good a uh, indictment on Disney as as good a, a piece of evidence on Disney as you're going to see. That was on Disney owns ABC. ABC is Good Morning America. And they are celebrating 11-year-old boys dressing in drag and pretending to strip for 65-year-old men. <laughs> when did that become okay? Did I miss that? I mean, that I know we're, you know, more open and, you know, we're supposed to. I, I tweeted about this and I had a few tweets saying, the kid looks happy. Why do you have a problem with that? And I didn't respond. I don't want to respond because those people are as crazy as Desmond or Desmond's parents. You think that's healthy? You think that kid's okay? You think that kid's going to live happy, healthy ever, you know, happy and healthy ever after? That child who's in 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 women's clothes with makeup and nail polish and a whole deal and high heels, that kid's going to be okay? I will Please. say at least the parents aren't forcing like a transition or hormone change on them. That's the one positive you can take from it. Well, why don't you check? Why don't you get an update for me on Desmond the Amazing? Uh, I wouldn't be so sure. I wouldn't speak so soon. I mean, I, I, you know, you say that, but we don't know that because the kid was 11. Is he still, you know, in women's clothes dancing for old men? I mean, uh, I don't want to know. I was thinking of, you know, trying to look at him and I'm going, I don't want to know. It's just so, it's so disturbing. And you won't hear, I mean, uh, like I said, you know, Matt Walsh did it. Some people have uh, mentioned or have tweeted about it, but you won't see anything on, it, on any media mainstream media outlet, no radio show will dare talk about it. They won't have it on. I mean, God knows they won't have it on network TV. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I haven't seen it on Fox news. I haven't seen it on, maybe it's been on, I don't know. Newsmax. Uh, maybe, maybe Bill Maher will do something on HBO, but for the most part, people will look at that. They will be as disturbed as I am and they won't touch it. They won't go near it because they know 
this day and age, that'll get you in trouble. That will, you know, you can't say, as as I can attest, you can't say a four-year-old is too young to transition because certain people will come after you. They, as, you know, the trans mob are vicious. So, they're ruthless and they will come after you and come after you hard. And they probably thought this was wonderful. How can you listen to that kid's voice? Doesn't that kid's voice make you a little, doesn't make you nervous? Like there's something going on there that he's, you know, psychologically just a mess. Listen to the voice. You feel like he's not the only one making this decision to go out on stage and pretend to strip. But did you know that Shea Concrete is the largest manufacturer of recon retaining wall systems in North America? Well, you do now. In fact, in 2020, Shea set a new company record when they man- manufactured 178,000 square feet of retaining wall. This is a testament to Shea's legendary teamwork from engineering to manufacturing to dispatch and delivery. As the guys at Shea like to say, teamwork makes the teamwork. They do. I've been around them when they say that. Shea Concrete's high-performing precast concrete retaining walls stand up to New England's active climate and come in a wide variety of shapes, designs, and textures to meet your retaining wall needs. So whether you need a residential, a commercial, or an industrial application, Shea has a dedicated team that will assist you with conceptual design, site walks, and installation. Let Shea show you the way. Call Shea Concrete at 800 696 SHEA. That's 800 696 S H E A. Or just log on to SheaConcrete.com. So he goes hey. he goes by uh either they them or he him, and he's just a gay kid now. Oh, you looked it up? Yeah, I found his uh website. You're kidding. No. <laughs> is there pick is so he's not dressed as a girl anymore? I mean he he does he's a runway model now. But the oh, the fact that he goes by he him is kind of telling, no? That is. Well, I guess don't you have to go by he him if you're a drag queen and you go back to you know boys' clothes and then when you perform, uh, but he also has they them. Yeah, that's that's kind of like anyone can get that. I could go by. I'll be I'll be they them next week for. I don't even want to look. Are there pictures? Pop up a picture of uh, Desmond uh, the Amazing now at fourteen. Um, or uh, yeah, four, um. Uh, I, I'm sure he's, uh, I don't know. Do you make a good living if you're a little kid and stripping for old men? Probably, huh? A lot yeah. of perverts out there. I mean, there's some pictures when he's got makeup on, it looks like, but nothing crazy. Oh, um, so you, you think he's turned out okay? <laughs> I mean, he just seems like a, a gay boy. I don't know. Uh, there's uh, Desmond the Amazing. Does he have a book? What's the book? So, Dressing uh, the Resistance. Dressing the, you know, I, I don't know. We'll have to check in later on and see how he's doing, see if he's still stripping for old men. But all I'm going to get, all I'm going to say is mom and dad didn't help this kid's uh, no. mental well being. <laughs> Hell, putting any kid, 11 year old kid on stage in front of that crowd <laughs> is child abuse. I don't care if the kid's juggling bowling pins or playing the clarinet, putting him <laughs> out there for the crowd is not going to help him grow to be a healthy, healthy, happy young man. I'm sorry. No, it could have been worse. He looks like he's got his head on straight. He looks like he's uh, helping other gay teenagers express themselves, but nothing about, you know, hacking off body parts or any of that. Oh, good. Good. So we got, we're making progress. He didn't, (laughs) (laughs) he didn't uh, uh, castrate himself. That's good. He's holding, uh, holding out on that one. But 
Uh, I'm just going to say it didn't help. It didn't help that mom and dad pushed him out there on stage to cavort for a dirty old man. <laughs> All right. We will uh, leave it there for today. Anything else, Ironhead? I know uh, it is a fluid situation with uh, Elon Musk and the fight for free speech. And I'm just constantly looking for the panicked reaction from the crazed uh, liberals out there who are living in fear. Oh, well, look at look at this. You know the the guy, uh, what's his name, Melber from MSNBC, mm-hmm. and that video we played yesterday of uh, him saying that they could control elections and all that. It now has ten million views. Ten million, <laughs> ten million views for that idiot just embarrassing himself, describing what they did in 2020 with the election and saying, uh-oh, what if what is going to happen if Elon Musk tries to affect an election? Uh, 10 million views for someone on MSNBC is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, Liz, other- Warren, Liz Warren's tweet from yesterday, I know we, we went over there, her previous tweet, but from yesterday, Liz Warren tweeted, one billionaire whose estimated net worth has gotten into has gotten about 10 times larger since the start of the pandemic is about to have the power to decide how millions of people can communicate with each other. It's dangerous for our democracy to have so much power in so few hands. Again, she didn't say a word of like that. Didn't say anything like that when Jeff Bezos took control of the Washington Post or the Pazootis bought the Globe. It's because they know that's how the election was won, and they're about yes. to lose it. And by the way, the reason his one of the reasons his uh, net worth has grown so much is because of you, Liz Warren. You and your ilk shut down small businesses. You and your ilk, ilk allowed the the oligarchs to thrive and crush the mom and pop stores. You can all and buy Teslas. Yeah, and that's true. A lot of people went out and buy te- That's the beauty of it all. Somebody tweeted this. It was a great tweet. Let's thank all the woke progressives who went out and bought Teslas and made this all possible. I know. Without them, without them going out there and paying a fortune for Teslas, I don't think Elon Musk would have had the money to make this move. So thank you, all you. Thank you, AOC, by the way, who famously parked her uh, Tesla in a handicap spot when she went into, <laughs> went into, went into Whole Foods yeah. one day, got caught. Uh, she hates those corporatists and those global, and those, uh, not global, she loves global, uh, and those oligarchs like Elon Musk, but God knows she went out and bought herself a Tesla. Uh-huh. Thank you to uh, AOC and everybody else who did that and made sure Musk could afford uh to make this move and we are enjoying it. It has been glorious and we will uh, stay on top of it and get you the latest. I promise. I am just uh, absolutely loving this whole story and uh, we'll be, we'll be keeping track of all the liberal meltdowns and keep you updated uh, each day. Uh, But uh, we will leave it there for today. What was your, uh, what was your take on Ben Simmons? Oh, right. Ben Simmons said that this mental block caused his back injury. So, right. I just want to salute him for his courage and say that Time Magazine should definitely name him Athlete of the Year because it took real courage (laughs) to admit you had a mental block and quit on your teammates. That's how that works. But uh, that'll do it. Thank you to everybody for watching and listening. Thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right Is it just me? 
Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify.